and welcome to another episode of More Than Dice. I'm Gonzo. I'm a Mizzy. And Chris Suri is not back yet, as uh, you've noticed. Um, John and Kathy are off today, so uh, we are having Chris Suri on to talk about stuff um, and get him some good information. I can hear him coming back right now. Here he comes. Let's see. You're right. Here I am. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> Grand interest of drum rolls. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize it was five minutes already. That's okay. It, was, <laughs> it goes by so fast. It goes by quick. So, uh, like I, said, I had no idea. I was like, all right, I got some tea, use the restroom, and my wife made soup. So I was like, I'm going to have a couple of oh. bites of soup real quick. <laughs> so Chris is on air with us tonight. Uh, he's going to be talking about stuff with his Kickstarter and his project. Before we do that, well, let's get down to the business. We want to thank Mini Masterworks for supporting us and uh, being an awesome sponsor. Don't forget, if you go to their store, make sure you use our code MORETHANDICE and you can get 10% off your order. And like I said, everybody, everybody's picking up one of these little Vortex paint shakers. Um, that's been like our big seller. I think we've sold like five of those already. <laughs> yeah, with, um, with uh, John, right? Yes, John McAvoy. Yeah. Um, the, uh... He's, He's also got a set of um, what is it the um, the pencils? Yes, uh, those are great too. Yeah, he's been he's we've been selling those. Uh, I know that people have bought that, the pencils and the shaker a lot from him, uh, and yeah. I own both of those. Uh, we want to also thank Muse on Minis for hosting our channel and putting it out there for everybody. Uh, keep on doing it, and don't forget if you like what you see on their show. Or like you see in their store, make sure you use the code more than dice. Also, there you get ten percent off your order on anything you order from them. And also, we want to make a shout out to Parabellum War Games because they make an awesome game called Conquest with amazing miniatures and amazing stuff. Um, and um, there is a very good chance you could see a Conquest event at Warfare Weekend. And if you like their stuff. Make sure you go over there, buy stuff from them, and use the code more than dice also, and you can get 10% off your order from them. Um, and Chris is over there laughing, like, damn, Gonzo, how many 10% codes do you have? Right. All of them. Um, but yes, we are working a trying to work a deal to get Parabellum to come out and run some tournaments and do demos at uh, Warfare Weekend. So we will hopefully see that. Um, so let's get down to the nitty gritty. We do have a couple of shout outs. Um, this week, uh, Mizzy, do you know who our shout outs are? Um, I remember one of them is, um, uh, one of the Judds. Yes. Uh, was it Naomi Judd? Um, I want to say Naomi Judd. Yeah. Um, they are not saying what, um, happened, but it's being, uh, assumed because, uh, she passed away from mental illness that she, yes, may have Naomi also, Judd. yeah, that she may have committed suicide. Uh, but she had been going through a lot of uh, mental health issues lately that uh, they were talking about. And that's a very sad thing to hear. Um, she, I mean, I'm not a good, I'm not a country fan. I don't like country music. But the judge did put their stamp on country and were very prevalent uh, and did a lot of stuff. So there's definitely there. Um, so that, You also uh, live in the South, so you kind of can't excuse yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's always there. It's <laughs> um, there. Uh, and then we have uh, Neil Adams. Uh, for everybody know, Neil Adams was a comic book uh, artist and yeah. really put like comic books in the forefront for a bit of time. Uh, like some Batmans and uh, I know kind of almost like rebooted Batman a little bit with the uh, with Neil Adams doing his stuff. Chris, do you know anything about Neil Adams? 
A, a little bit. I mean, I definitely uh, loved comics quite a bit growing up, but I was always more of a Marvel person than I was a DC. That was just kind of the thing at that point. Uh-huh. So, so I wasn't as familiar with his work, but I mean, yeah, I, he was a very fantastic comic book artist. Yeah, I mean, there was quite a few. Because uh, someone was showing. I mean, what's what's interesting is. Um, You you've seen this this person's artwork because they've done he's done some uh, Marvel stuff but you don't know yeah. the face and the name as much because I mean if you're just reading it and you're enjoying it and then you're like oh and then you're like oh man I have seen his work I just didn't know mm-hmm. that it's, you know it what well, that it was his work at the time because a lot of us you know these artists that are dying we were like teenagers or young kids when we were reading these comics when they were doing the artwork and we we're just like okay. But right. I mean, like some things that, you know, I've seen his stuff. I know his stuff. Uh, didn't know that it was him. Uh, uh-huh. Unlike, you know, Todd McFarlane, he did a, you know, he was very prevalent whenever I was really big into comics and I could definitely tell his art style and stuff. And so, you know, I can feel for people that, you know, say, that, you know, Neil Adams was really great at it, but I don't feel it as much. Um, but I mean, anytime an artist passed away, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. So, um, I also got a notification that Joanna Barnes passed away. Uh, she was an actress from The Parent Trap and oh. Auntie Mame. Yep, I think she starred in both Parent Traps, the reboot and the original. I think so. Yeah, she was in both Parent Traps, the reboot and the original, um, type thing. Um, any other shoutouts that we know of? None that I can recall. None that I recall either. Um, of course, we always want to shout out everybody that's listening. We appreciate whether you watch us live, whether you listen to us on any of the 90 billion platforms we're on. Um, and we appreciate when you you know watch John and check out his stuff or watch me when I do some painting. We appreciate more than you know. But let's get down to this, some serious business. And I mean, this is serious, serious business here. Sir business. Sir. It's, sir, it's serial business. It's so serious. <laughs> Uh, Chris, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm not, I'm not much of a alcohol drinker, so I've just got some good old fashioned iced tea. Okay. But here, here's the thing. Sweet or unsweetened? Oh no, it's, it's sweet. I, I don't do unsweetened. <laughs> You're not a heathen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, like, I know it's not the best for me, but no. I mean, is it like so sweetened that it's like almost like syrup? No, I don't go that far, but. There is a limitation. There is a limitation, but I'm Not sure all I of us want to die of diabetes. <laughs> do you ever, um, not to go totally off topic, but do you ever uh, see that movie? Uh, what is it, the one with Brad Pitt, um, Jason Statham? Um, what is it called? Oh, it's called. It's by Guy Ritchie. It's called Snatch. Yes. Yeah, I just I'm, every time I drink a tea, I'm always reminded of that line from Bricktop where they're like, "Do you want one lump or two? And he's like, "He's like, I don't need or what is he says something along the lines, "I don't need any sugar in my tea. I'm sweet enough already." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, it's just there's that staple of Southern sweet tea is pretty much syrup. It's pretty yeah, pretty much syrup. Yeah, yeah, it's not Southern. I haven't gone that far, but <laughs> Missy, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I have a good old-fashioned water bottle for hydration. 
And then for dehydration, I have a Arbor Mist, something, another Moscato. It's Arbor a Scotto strawberry DST? mango. No, it's just Moscato. You're just a Moscato? It, that's what the bottle says. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm not a wine drinker. I just know it's sweet and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also going to make sure that I keep, you know, a good old thing of water here um to drink and then of course my beverage of choice tonight is a good old remy martin xo um that i'm going to be sipping on a little bit tonight uh while we talk with chris about his life and everything that's going on guys we appreciate you again we appreciate more than you know make sure you take care of yourself make sure you get vaccinated make sure you wash your hands if you feel com- don't f- feel comfortable make sure you wear a mask please be safe we want to see you at warfare weekend this year we want to see you at all the cons that are going on. So please take care of yourself. From all of us, all y'all, cheers. 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 Oh, damn, that's good. Hold on. Hold on, one more. Hell yeah. That's good. Um, So... We have Chris Surrey on tonight. I have known Chris for a Forever. lot longer than I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know Chris from the convention scene and have seen his artwork and I've always appreciated it. Chris, you're one of my favorite artists. Uh, I always look forward to what you do and what you create. Um, but before we get into the minutia mm-hmm. and what the podcast about, tell us who you are and, you know why we love you so much because i'm very lovable <laughs> oh. well yes oh, but we yeah. need details details um so my name is chris Surrey. um i am a uh, resident in illinois uh u.s painter um my day job is in medicine i do pediatrics um I'm married, have four kids, ranging from ages 12 to 19. Uh, and then, uh, but it, uh, probably the big thing for like the conventions and stuff like that is I'm a miniature artist. No, you're you're not just a miniature artist. Let, let's, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get this out but of the way. Let's back that up a little bit. Yeah, because um, Chris, are you a commission painter? No. Yeah, you do this for what reason? Because I, I love telling stories and I love telling stories with art. I like evoking emotional responses with my art. Um, yeah, I don't do commissions because mainly I, I, I couldn't promise to deliver a good product to the person that was buying it for me. I mean, if someone was like, Chris, I want you to paint a Hellboy and I'd be like, okay, that sounds great. And then I might start on it, and if I'm not feeling it, then I'd set it aside, and that's not fair to them. Um, fair. I mean, I do occasionally sell pieces, but it's because someone contacts me afterwards, and it's like, I love this piece, and I'm like, okay, that's great, because I'm not particularly connected to this one, <laughs> so I like, let it go or something like that. But, I mean, How often yeah, do you let your pieces go? I don't go? take, like, orders or anything. How often do you let your pieces go? Um... Maybe one every other year is about the average. Um, so it's it's pretty low, really. Um, I'm part of a, 
I got to join a group of some other painters uh, like about a year ago where we actually do secret Santa stuff. Um, and it, it, it tends to be like fairly, you know, high, you know, good quality paint jobs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like this year I parted with one called the, uh, called the market and I uh, gave it to a friend. Like honestly, so we knew we were going to do the secret Santa thing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to paint this and I'll give away a secret Santa. And then when the names got drawn and I got Fosto, who's this uh, painter and school, uh, uh, miniature artist uh, who runs Abyssal and stuff like that out of uh, Italy, um, when I got his name, I was like, no, 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 this is not good enough for him. I'm going to finish this other piece that I'm really attached to and send it to him. And so I sent him the market, which is one of my favorites that I've done. Um, and ironically, I send the thing to him like at the very beginning of December and I'm told, okay, you know, give it two, three weeks and it should be there. That thing didn't show up on his doorstep for like two and a half months. Oh, I was sweating it so bad for so long because I was like, Oh God, it's law. I mean, I put tracking on everything. We we knew where it was, Mm -hmm. but basically once it got to Italy, it went into customs and then it just disappeared. And so I was convinced that the thing was lost. And then, uh, ironically, on my birthday, it actually showed up at his house. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, because um, you have a very unique—I don't want to say unique style—but you hardly do just like a single miniature. You, you know, you don't just pick up, you know, like a space marine and you paint that space marine really well. You create like, yeah, you, know, you have done some busts and stuff like that, but you're really mm-hmm. into doing dioramas more than anything yeah 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 i i don't like doing the same thing everyone else does um i like uh like i said i like i like stories um those are easier to tell when you have a whole entire scene to go with it like Mm -hmm. a whole entire atmosphere um so that's why i probably tend to kind of lean towards dioramas more um when so i got started in all this because of war machine really like what? I was, painting. yeah, I know, I know. Like, what <laughs> on this cast? Where, where, where I get to learn, where, where I, I get, I got to meet you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like, I mean, when I played War Machine, I, I mean, I played competitively. Like, I mean, for exactly. the end of my residency, the first few years being out of residency, um, I'd go to tournaments. I would go to Gen Con. Um, I mean, not to be like pompous or whatever but like you know the first ever hardcore that was hosted at gen con i came in second which doesn't mean anything really i you know but you know like i made it to the very final round and was and then got a got my denegra assassinated <laughs> uh, and then uh like uh you know a year or two years later i went to like uh, gen con to do you know whatever the the massive steamroller was called at that point mm-hmm. um and took like the Negra two in her Mark one form, which was considered absolute shit, and took her all the way through to like you know the semifinals. Um, nice. Yeah, so I mean it, that was my thing. But then after a while, like going you know tournaments every weekend, going to like you know play once a week to practice with friends and stuff like that, it just wasn't really viable for life. Like I mean between work, family, and all that, I just I just didn't have the time. You know, um, so I wanted to stay involved in the hobby. So I turned to painting 
more than plain and uh, ended up going to Gen Con a year or two after they started the P3 competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they started like the open version. I took some troll bloods, I'm sure. I'm sure that's what it was at that point. Submitted them and I got one of those nice like bronze coins that's actually hanging on my wall over there. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, got that and got to talk to Matt uh, DiPietro about how to improve and I was like hooked. And so then I started doing that like year after year after year, trying to improve, get better, get a higher coin. Um, you know, eventually got to the point that I wanted like my category. Uh, and then uh, a year or two after that, it got to the point that I won my category and I took uh, took the master's then too. Um, so that was kind of like the start. But as I was doing that, um, I started, you know, I was, you know, I'd go research like other websites to try to find different ways of approaching art and stuff like that or painting. And I came across a website called Massive Voodoo, which is done by um, Roman Lapot. Uh, or, and, uh, and at that point, it was also with Raphael. And uh, that's when I started seeing what it could really be. Like Roman does all different types of scenes. He does everything from painting like bust of like professional sculptors to, I mean, some of his most recent art, he's literally taking like space Marines and turning them into hangable pieces on wall art. Um, and so th- that's where I kind of got my, my start of falling more and more in love with dioramas. So you, you came out of the womb painting as well as you're painting right now, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Born with uh, a brush in your hand. I mean, like, um, so um, my art experience in like high school and stuff like that, I would draw mainly comic book stuff, mm-hmm. comic book characters and stuff like that. Um, and then went to college, but in college I was pre-med. So basically all it is is science and math and crap like that. Um, I ended up taking one art class in college, and I think I eked out with a B in it. Um, it was like intro painting or something like that. Then go to med school, don't do anything like that at all, because basically all you do in med school is eat, work, and read. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, yeah. So then, out of residency, you know, that's I, the only reason I painted out a residency was because I was just trying to paint my army because I like having a painted army on there. I mean, it was totally like my scorn army, which I think James Moreland still has pieces of um, for because I'm sure there's plenty of people on the cast that know him. Um, but uh, James still has pieces of mine that I painted with like scorn and stuff like that. And it's literally like, you know, red flesh color dip. There was very little more to it. Um, it was about 10 years ago that I started painting more for myself and wanting to get better at it. And a lot of the early days were just more figuring out my own technique, reading every website I could find, trying to find artists that were better than me to kind of learn from. Um, Then that kind of graduated to um, like doing Patreons and and listening to those. And then most recently uh, it's been a lot of work through what's called the miniature art Academy, which is a, uh, website run by Alfonso, uh, mm-hmm. who's also known as Banshee. And so his website's just full of useful videos 
um, that you can get at a very reasonable cost. And then I started doing private coaching with Alfonso, which basically was like a massive kick in the tush. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, and so I've been doing like private coaching with Alfonso for, we're going on two years at this point. Like I, it was September should be two years. Okay. Um, I know this is question's going to come up. Hmm. Uh, Xander says he has the cray. Did you paint a cray for him? A, a cray model? Or is it Alfonso? Xander Vorlord? Give us a little bit more information on that. Um, I I may have painted a cray. I probably did at some point. I always wanted to. I remember wanting to paint cray because it was such a cool <laughs> model. Probably did, but that's probably been quite a while ago. I don't remember when that would have been. Well, wait, wait, see what Xander says. Uh, Signar Cray on the horse. Yeah, but is it Chris's Cray, I'm guessing? I guess he's, he'll, he'll let us know if it was yours. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it could have been. I, I don't, I honestly don't remember. I mean, like I said, <laughs> I, I remember I remember liking Cray and thinking that was one of the best models they produced for quite some time. Yeah. Um, but like the rest of Signar, I didn't care about um, so people, I know people always ask you this, but we always like to ask our people that are artists, what are your favorite brushes, paints, you know, stuff like that? Sure. Um, okay. So brushes, um, something that's like a Kalinsky sable uh -huh. is, is, is nice. Um, the reason I would say a lot of, not, not everyone does like, for instance, like, uh, Sam Limbs for people that are familiar with them, who does a, a lot of fantastic art and also a lot of like um army type painting um i know he just uses like standard gw brushes and somehow he turns out amazing artwork with it <laughs> i'm not that lucky i need like my kalinskis because they tend to hold a very fine uh fine uh pinpoint edge mm -hmm. and that, that helps you a lot with you know the brush doing what you want it to do that's uh, um, I I started using Kalinske's also, and I'm like, I really like these a lot. And they do. They do yeah. hold their points very well. They do. The only downside is, like, now it's it's so hard to get them in the States. Yeah. I mean, you can go on Amazon and get them, but, like, you're really – you kind of take a gamble as to what quality you're getting. Sometimes they turn out great. Other times they're a piece of crap from the moment you get them. Uh, Xander says uh -huh. the craze that you did for him was for an old food machine fundraiser. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> That, oh my god, that was so long ago. <laughs> it has, like, to be, <laughs> has to be like ten years ago, yeah. Oh, food machine. That was such a great idea. Yeah. Still is people still do it. But do uh, they really? Oh yeah, people still do food machine. Um we, gotta, we, we joke that, you know, some people say that, you know, the game's dead and we have so many more people playing it now that it's amazing. And the problem is is nobody's been able to play because nobody can go to any shops. Yeah, type thing, yeah. and so you don't hear about it. So people are starting to pick it up even more. A lot of new people too. There's been a lot of converting from over from um, GW games lately, uh -huh. which is uh, I'm not surprised, but they've been coming over. Um, so, what's your favorite paints that you're using nowadays? Chimera. So, I, well, I should say, okay. So, one of the things with Alfonso is he is very much into mixing your own paints. Mm -hmm. um, so, like mixing in the colors you want and stuff like that. 
which I had already been trying to do, but I, I never really got an idea of how far I can go until I started working with him. I'm still like just at the tip of the iceberg. Type thing. Um, Chimera colors are incredibly hyperpigmented. So like they're a very, very pure, very, very good solid color, but they're also fairly matte, um, which some people like. I, I like matte colors more than anything. Yeah. The, the only downside, like sometimes matte is just too matte. It's like almost like dry and Chimera kind of borders on that. Um, so then what we do, and this gets, this gets complicated. So then what we do is we add in just those good old fashioned golden acrylics. You can buy like a Michaels mm-hmm. because they're very hyperpigmented and they add in like a satin effect to it. But they themselves alone are very transparent, so that's why you don't use them by by themselves. That's why you mix the two. So the two mixed together gets this nice kind of combo. And then the final portion of that um, would be using Dollar Rowley inks, because you take the ink and you mix it with the colors, and it increases fluidity. So it makes it more water-like without adding water to it, because water decreases the pigments but adding the ink directly in there it keeps the pigment load at the same level or even higher it gives oh, yeah. you the ability to go smoother i've been like, I, I got on that bandwagon because someone said try the white ink for painting uh, white and it's a, the dowry one also and i've been using that like oh if i want to you know if i'm going to highlight it or thin a white i put uh, the white ink in it i've been i've been debating buying more inks and just like the basic rainbow color of inks just to do that because people there's nothing wrong with using water there's nothing wrong with using a medium but i found like with the inks it stays wetter longer and it also Mm -hmm. looks a lot better too it does separate that's it yeah that that wetter longer is that fluidity and then the uh you know it just it keeps the pigment load high so it's brighter like i I say brighter but that's not really the the correct artist term um it keeps (laughs) that I know, I know it's weird. Like, I mean, like you feel like you should just be able to use these words, but like you can't cause like, they don't properly describe. Um, but like it keeps the pigment load higher so that the color is truer when you put it on <laughs> and you don't like lose any of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like, I mean, I've only got like a basic set of dollar roundies. I mean, in, like, you know, a white, a black, a red, a yellow, blue, green, you know, the primaries yeah. essentially. Um, in the secondaries and outside of that, I don't have any additional colors because basically whatever I need, I can get out of those. Um, and then with Chimera, I have like their basic set and a couple of additional ones cause they have, they just have excellent colors. And then when it comes to like the, um, the uh, golden acrylics, it's really, once again, just pretty much the primaries and black and white. And that's about it. Cool. Um, what is one faux pas people, do with their colors that you tell people don't do that stop doing that type thing um what's me at the moment it would actually probably be the water thing don't use water so if I we can't that's... get inks is mixing medium better yeah mixing medium is better than water okay. um yeah mixing medium is better than water um I would say the other thing is probably the, what I've been learning is that uh, you need to be refreshing the paint really, really frequently too. 
Like don't, don't the, so the wet palettes are great because they extend the life of um, of your paints mm-hmm. and allow you to do things. But what I would use to do is I'd be like, okay, here's my wet palette. I mix up these colors. I start painting. I paint for like an hour, and I'm like, okay, well that's it for today. Next day, come back, pull out as you know, take the top off my wet palette, use the same colors I had from the day before, put the lid back on. Next day, repeat, do the same thing. After like 24 hours or so, the water's seeping into those, and they're destroying it. Like you really just need the remix, which means you're using a lot of paint, but you get better results. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and get over. Uh, Xander says that he fully understands because uh, he works in paint manufacturing for automotive paint, so he understands you know terminologies and such that are that are coming through on that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go over here and do your slideshow. Um, okay. I you sent me a bunch of pictures and uh, they're up on uh, this the Twitch. Uh, okay. And um, there is a reason you came on here, not because I think you're awesome and I love you and I think you're an amazing artist. Uh, you got a big project coming up. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, so um, I, I'm going to be one of the new authors in the Art of series. Um, so the Art of series is a series of books that is produced by Dave Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Taylor Adventures. And the first three volumes are already out um, involving uh, the Miniature Monthly Group, which Matt DiPietro is part of. Mm-hmm. Um, then also involving Christoph and Anna. And those were a set of books that went on Kickstarter a year and a half, two years ago or so. Yep. And, you know, all finished up and everything like that. So Dave is now moving on to the next set of artists, which will be myself, uh, a gentleman by the name of Tommy Sewell, who does a lot of GW painting, a lot of uh, paint teaching. And then actually a, a pretty good friend of mine from France uh, uh, by the name of Sine. Um, who does a lot of like colorful work with like bust and, and figures like that. Um, so our Kickstarter for our next set of books is actually going on uh, starting on May 10th and we'll run through like the end of the month. Um, you can purchase like individual books if you want to do it that way, or you can purchase the books as a group of three if you want to do it that way too for a bit of a discount. Um, and then for those who are interested in like the old books, those older books are available in various like bookstores around the country and also through like Dave Taylor miniatures. Right, we, we've actually had him on here before to talk about, it. I think it was the first three books we had him oh, on Dave the podcast Taylor, to talk about the first three yeah. books. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Dave's a great guy. Yeah. We, we, we try to always highlight cool people. Yeah. Sometimes Mizzy gets on, but you know, we try to highlight cool people. <laughs> <laughs> Like, right, so yeah, like, I don't have to be here, Gonzo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got your picture up. That is, is that I guess this is going to be what your cover is going to be. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, these are kind of like um, I shouldn't say test images, but like kind of placeholder images. Mm-hmm. This is what we think will probably uh, be going forward, but it, you know, technically it could change. But it, I'm going to definitely try to keep it this way because those are three of my favorite pieces on there. So. Uh, so I'm going to just go through these and we'll talk about them. Um, I've seen this one in person. Um, and is this the one that, uh, which one is this one? Which one did you name this one? The the top one there? That's grandma. Uh, okay. Well, we're actually going to the next, like I said, oh. you have to wait a little bit of delay from Twitch. <laughs> Sorry. There, oh, this one, that is grandma yet anyway. <laughs> yeah. Still grandma, but yeah. That's still grandma. Yeah. Um, I think, I believe I've seen that one in person. Um, yeah. yeah. I, brought, I, took, I brought that one to Warfare last week, uh, last year. Yeah. 
And then the next one should be coming one. up pretty soon. Let me know when it comes up. Because I think this is the one that you won Warfare Weekend with? Yes. Very well could be. The Adventurers, I, I think it's this one is? Yeah, the Dungeon Explorers. Yeah, that's yeah. and that's the other one I took to Warfare, and that's the one that won it, yeah. Yeah, with the Minotaur. Yeah, yep, that's it. Yeah. That's a... Uh, that's one of my favorite pieces too, because it like uh, harkens back to old memories with friends. Oh yeah. So like, um, one of the things I think is important in so there's miniature painting and then there's like miniature art, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I enjoy in miniature art is like the storytelling, the emotional contacts, or uh, like co- connection you can get with people and stuff like that. So for instance, like grandmas. The, the benefit of grandma's was like, I was trying to pull on those old memories I had with my grandmother, but the, I can get that emotional connection with people. Cause most people, you know, have a grandmother and have a grandmother that they probably spent a fair amount of time with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it kind of has that. And then like the dungeon explorers piece here was pulling back on memories of uh, my D and D days with my friends in high school and stuff like that. So I got a question. Yeah. Who made these miniatures? Uh, so on the dungeon explorers, let's see, yeah. um, that top one there, like the one in the back, the Typhling wizard, mm-hmm. that is from Hera models. Okay. Um, the elf in the front, I believe is from black sun. If I remember correctly. Okay. The two dwarves are from big child creatives. Okay. And then the minotaur in the middle is from journeyman miniatures. So I recognize that one. That one's that one's a very distinct minotaur. It is. It is. It's such a fantastic miniature to paint. Like Journeyman does some really high quality work, and it was that was a real joy to paint that one. Yeah, and yeah, all these miniatures. Whenever you're doing this scene, you've already got them all glued and put together, and you just paint around them, right? No. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> That's no. just asking for problems. Right. Yeah. 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 No, so, um, okay, so fun little story. This piece um, was one of the, this was the first, I was working on this before I started coaching with Alfonso. Like I was like putting it together and I'd start painting it. And before I started working with Alfonso, my, my, my method of making my pieces was very chaotic and kind of, it, well, it was just chaos. And so I sent this to him for my first review, kind of partially done. It's like, Hey, this is my idea, blah, blah, blah. You know, what do you think? You know, and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not expecting him to, like, be totally like, oh, this is great, Chris. But I'm like, oh, you know, he'll probably like it. And basically his response was, this hurts my eyes. <laughs> oh, oh. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. And he was like, listen, you got two choices. He's like, this is not working the way it is. You can either keep going and make a subpar project or you can tear it apart. And we'll start from the beginning and try to get something good. And uh, me just being the type of person I am, I'm not doing to, I mean, things don't have to be perfect, but if I can do something better, I'm going to do it better. I'm not going to just kind of let it go. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I totally tore it down and we started back from the beginning, like ripped the whole entire thing. I think the only thing we actually left alone was I think the Minotaur had some paint on them at that point, and we kind of basically left those colors alone and then kind of adjusted them later. But everything else was changed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with that piece. It, it took, I mean, really it took like over a year to do it. 
Um, yeah, I, I was, I was going to say, it took more than just, you know, your your, your Saturday weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it took a little while. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think other people probably get more of a, a treat out of, like, grandma or the market or some of those type of pieces. But, like, this one is one that's important to me. All right. The next one is um, your dragon. Um, and you've got a lady with a tattoo on it. it should be coming up and showing yeah. up on Twitch. Um, yeah. I actually, I've seen this one personally myself. And uh, how much influence were you by Avatar on this one? Not. I was not influenced by Avatar. I was influenced by something else. What were you influenced by? Because I, I know some people, because I remember seeing this and some people were talking about it. I goes, oh, it kind of looks like, you know, like the Avatar movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could see that. But what, what influenced you to paint the dragon or wyvern the way it is? Um, what really, two things influenced me. One was, uh, the movie had a train your dragon because it's kind of mirroring some of the colors of the, whatever the female Viking is in that movie. It's like her creature, uh-huh. uh, her dragon. It kind of mirrors, yeah, mirrors some of those. And then the idea was that the story here is this, uh, female, um, like, you know, maybe female Viking or female shaman uh, has made this connection with this, like, young dragon. Um, and so, uh, and they're, like, on the coast. So, like, a lot of the colors reflected in the dragon are based off of, like, the ocean and stuff like that. So, like, the blues in the dragon are meant to play off the ocean because gotcha. the dragon's name is actually Wave Chaser. Um, but then the oranges and the yellows in the dragon are placed there because blue complements with orange, mm-hmm. so it makes it pop more, and then it, that draws your eye to those areas more. So, like this, for instance, like it's got serpentine kind of black eyes, which don't really stand out. But by painting yellow and orange around that area, I draw your eye to that and make you make you look at it in the face. Um, this was a piece that, like, so like uh, I think you know you have those pieces that people remember or like that kind of put you on the map or whatever type mm-hmm. thing. This was the piece that did that for me. Um, I, the story with it was I was actually painting the Wurman and then I was painting the lady separately. Like I had two different ideas for them. And one night I was like, Oh, what if I put the two of them together? That could be something like really kind of cool. And so I took the Wurman from, and it's a model from Carol Rudick. And for anyone that doesn't know, Carol Rudick does fantastic like dragons, wyverns, but they're expensive. <laughs> it's like a two hundred dollar bottle, um, and I literally butchered the thing. I cut it up in multiple pieces so I could rearrange it and stuff like that. I literally sent a, a picture to friends. And I was like, "What the hell have I done?" <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, reassembled it, put all this stuff together, painted it, got some help from a buddy uh, by the name of Jay Martin, who runs uh, Figure Mentors. And, uh, you know, took it to Crystal Brush and people were just interested in it. I remember it made it to day two of Crystal Brush, which means it makes it to like the online voting and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, I actually made it to online voting. This is so cool and stuff like that. I went to bed at like two in the morning that day and woke up at like six in the morning and my phone is blown up with messages, including messages from Carol Rudick, the guy that designed the model. And he's like, Chris, I love your dragon. Send me more pictures. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the piece that put me on the map type thing. So I, you know, I actually, like I said, I don't tend to sell pieces or part with them. Um, if I, 
you can't quite see it from where you are, but she sits in the case right over there. Yeah. So. Uh, next picture looks like a, just kind of like an insert of what would be in the, in the book. Yeah. 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 That's, that's just, you know, kind of, you know, giving people an idea of like, what's gonna, what some of the images and the quality of the book will look like. Um, the books are okay. So the nice thing about the art of series is each book is designed by the artists themselves. So it's not uh, a template that Dave has given us or anything like that. So if you want to spend your entire book talking about how to do the world's most precise non-metal metallic, you could do that. So you, you okay? not only did you have to do not only the artwork, but you had to write everything that you wrote in there. Yes. Oh yeah, everything. I've been working on the book since like September. And I'm not, and I'm not completely done yet at this point. Most of it is done, but we're, there's still a couple of chapters left to go. Um, but uh, so like my book um, will have an introduction section that just talks about me a little bit, and then like we dive into talking about inspiration and how to use inspiration. We dive into storytelling and why storytelling is important in art. Uh, then we dive into composition, which uh, composition is this uh, is this tool used in art to place things in certain positions to draw attention to them. It's actually used a ton in movies. Um, like uh, you know, people can kind of go take a look at it, you know, uh, on the internet and stuff like that. But like for instance, one that comes up very quickly and easily is um, there was a famous shot in uh, James Cameron's Titanic where the boat, the front of the boat's going down and the back end is going up, but it's designed in such a way to create movement to make it even feel more like the boat is sinking. Um, and because like the front of the boat is down on the bottom left and the back of the boat's on the top right, we read that as being incorrect or wrong. So it makes you feel even more anxious that the boat's sinking. Um, but yeah, it's, it's discussion about how we do certain things like that in our dioramas to you know, make certain feelings. Um, and then there's additional sections on um, uh, how I did some of these pieces, like some like kind of how to's. There's a section on like tools, which not only talk about the tools we use, but like how we take certain items and turn them into other things, like how you make like, you know, stone walls or uh, sewer pipes and stuff like that. And then the last part of the book is just a massive gallery with all these pieces, but also with all the stories that go with them. Uh, next page is uh, Reaching Valhalla, and I know this is these aren't coming out, you know, really great. But up in the right hand corner, there's like look like a sketch pad, and then below it is yep. a picture of a of another lady. What's the what's the meaning behind this section of this? So, yeah, so in the, in this portion, we're talking about like inspiration and like how you go from um, from beginning to end. So that sketch up there in the top. Uh, right of that is is my initial sketches for this piece like you know so on the left we have the finished piece and on the right there you have the the initial sketches and then below that is one of the pieces of inspirational artwork that i was you know kind of pulling things off of for when i was making the uh doing the paint job okay and so like those type of things are in the book too like we walk through um like you know so some of the how-tos, like there's a how-to for like how to train your dragon. There's like a how-to on the dungeon explorers. And so in those sections, not only do you get to see photos of the build and process and the paint jobs and all that type of stuff, but also like, you know, initial sketches. How do we put this together? Um, where did I gain inspiration for this idea? Stuff like that. 
the next one up, I believe I've seen this one in person too, uh, with the people in the trees. Yeah, yeah. This one's called Fate. So, um, in Norse mythology, there are three Norns, which are essentially the Fates, mm-hmm. that live in the tree Yggdrasil, and they're responsible for taking care of the tree, and they're responsible for um, uh, basically setting everyone's fate. And I mean everyone. Everyone from like the tiniest teeny little baby to the gods themselves. They control your fate. And the interesting thing about Norse mythology is that in Norse mythology, you cannot cheat fate. Okay? So like you, you've always heard tales about like, you know, Vikings and like honor and stuff like that. Why is it such a big deal? Because let's say today is my death day. Okay. Like they would say, you know, today is your death day. So by midnight tonight, I'm dead, period. No matter what happens, no matter what I do. Okay. So if I go to battle and I fight and I die there, well, I died an honorable, noble death. But if I chicken out and I become a coward, by the end of tonight, I'll still be dead, but I'll die in some disgraceful way of being <laughs> bit by a spider or something yeah. like that. So anyway, this is a depiction of that. Um, it's the three fates weaving, the, uh, the three Norns weaving the fate of someone. We don't really know quite who. Um, this is actually part of a, a three-piece series with two other pieces called Valkyrie and Valhalla. And uh, this one, there's interesting, I don't know if you can see it in the photo or not, but at the bottom left, there's a skeleton with a shield. Uh-huh. And the fact that the skeleton is at the base of Yggdrasil means that whoever this is, they died uh, uh, dishonorably. Like they, they were a coward, a thief, or something like that. But the shield that's there ends up being a shield that's relayed in multiple other pieces that they submitted all at the same time. And so this kind of, kind of struck a t- chord with a lot of other artists because not only was I submitting one piece into this competition, but each piece that I submitted into this competition, because I submitted three into Crystal Brush that year, but each one of them not only told their own story, but they all connected together too. And so people would just be going back and forth between all of them looking uh, for those connection points. What are the, what are your trees made out of? Uh, How did you make those? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's one thing, you know, you know, just kind of going back to the book a little bit. Um, that's actually one of the things we talk about in the book is like how we make certain things like this. A good chunk of that tree is driftwood that I actually got when my wife and kids took me on a Father's Day trip to Camdenton, Missouri. Um, like there was just driftwood that we would see. And so I picked it up and held onto it and then, you know, basically broke it up to make the trunk of the tree. Uh, the branches are made out of various roots. And then the leaves are a combination of paper uh, leaves that were, you know, basically painted and cut, and then some of the leaves are actually real leaves that are preserved in glycerin. Um, nice. And this is, yeah. So now this is the second part of that series. This is Valkyrie. Um, and so in Valkyrie, it was the single model entry, and it's depicting this uh, Valkyrie uh, flying over the battlefield, picking up the souls of the dead who are worthy to go on the Valhalla. And, I actually remember you working on this because I remember that background you painted and you like teased it on your Facebook page one time or something. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I remember te- you working on this one. Yeah, I actually teased this one quite a bit. This was uh, funny, you know, like ironically or interestingly or whatever. Um, I did this three for Crystal Brush in 2019. 
And I really seriously thought about not taking them because I wanted to do them better. Like I knew I could do better. I could paint them better and stuff like that. But I decided to go ahead and do it and just kind of get it over with or get it done or whatever. <laughs> and I'm so glad I did because I ended up being the last crystal rush. Yep. Now see, I have never seen, this is a, a, a bust um, with a guy riding a horse. I've never saw this piece until today. Yeah, no, I know. Um, this one's up on like uh, my Facebook and Putty and Paint and Instagram and those type of things. But I've never taken this one to a competition. Yeah. This is, this, uh, this one's called the Elven Rider. It's a sculpt by Lucas Pina, um, who is, for, for artists, for miniature artists, he's a fantastic sculptor. He tends to put something out about every three to four months. It's always, uh, I shouldn't say it's limited edition, but basically you have 48 hours to order it, and then once it's done, it's done. Yeah. Like no more of them are ever made. Um, but th- I really enjoy his style. It has a slightly cartoony feel to it, which I like. Um, and then he's really good at sculpting movement or emotion into his pieces. The reason I kind of put this one in there is because this is the first piece I finished with Alfonso. So this is my like level up type piece, you know, gotcha. like, you know, he'd be like, well, you need to work on this. You need to work on that. You know, let's do this. Let's do that. And so, um, even though it's not my best work, it means a lot to me because there was so much learning I got from him doing it. All right. Uh, next one is your Skaven, and you. This was uh, done this year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did this between December and March of this year for Golden Demon. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, um, so I'd already finished the squigs, um, and I knew I was going to take them to Golden Demon. I was like, ah, oh, you know, I could try to do one more thing and get it done in time for Golden Demon. So I decided to go with Unit um, and created the base for them. Um, and painted them up and uh you know did this also under alfonso's guidance and stuff like that um it did you know it did in place it, it did get it commended so i i was happy about that um but uh yeah i just i just kind of like this piece i like the the uh the red of the armor i like the green environment this creating the sewer scene um ironically like it's kind of built out of funky parts like, for instance, that big sewer pipe that the kind of like the Skaven leader is standing in is a plastic kid's cup that was just cut <laughs> at a certain angle. Nice. And that big kind of metal tube, the the very bright one there that kind of helps set the, the light texture or the light level for the rest of the piece, that is a teepee roll. And I believe this one is the one that got you your... P3 Grandmaster at Adepticon? Uh, let's see. Is this the Kador and Mulg? Oh, see, uh, it didn't give me Grandmaster. Uh, Steve oh. Garcia got Grandmaster. Okay. I, uh, I, I, I heard that. I, I saw this one when I first started in there. I saw it in there. I was like, I know this guy's artwork. I know who this yeah, guy yeah. is. Yeah, no, this one's Mulg Smash for all our, all our War Machine fans out there. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so Mulg Smash, it did win, it did win Best Diorama. So it won its category, um, but Steve Garcia won Best Overall with his uh, Kador, uh, Kador Wizard guy. Okay. I, I saw this one at Adepticon. I was I was standing and looking at the stuff as I was purchasing things, and I'm like, 
I know this guy's style. I know who this guy is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it de- yeah. This definitely has my fingerprint all over. Oh it. yeah. I so. think uh, a, a better picture of the Dungeon Explorers, which you won a uh, you won at uh, Warfare Weekend, which is our first really big comp- painting competition that we did uh, with that, mm-hmm. and you got a really cool uh, uh, trophy. Uh, I did. Yeah, yeah. Do you? Yeah, you hang that. It's a big old paintbrush. <laughs> yeah, giant paintbrush. But it's all made out of like wood um, by one of the other artists there. So like, I mean, even like the the red on the handle or the, the red on the brush tip here, it's not painted red. It's actually like this red varnished wood. So it's actually it's incredibly cool. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I talked to him about that for this year, and I says we still want you to do the brush, but we kind of want colors changed up every once in a while. So he's gonna he's gonna see if he can find a, like another a different color for the tip. Type that sounds color. great. That's awesome. Um, this one I had never seen until today, and it. Uh, this is I, I, I. I'm a big color person. I love bright colors. And whatever this rabbit creature is with the colors and the pajamas that it looks like they're wearing and stuff, uh-huh. I I really dig the colors of this because I I always love bright colors and I saw this and I was like, ooh, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. So this one, uh, this one's called the market. This is the one I was talking about earlier that I uh-huh. gave away to a friend. Um, so the uh, the figure there is called the Batpacker. Um, it's a, it's a bat with like little batlings in the, in the back of it. And it's by bold miniatures. And, um, ironically, uh, what happened with it was a bunch of us were hanging out, like, uh, in one of Alfonso's groups, just kind of chatting and stuff like that, chatting about this like company and, you know, it's Kickstarter for like this little figure and people were like, yeah, it's kind of cool and everything like that. What do you see with it? And I'm like, first time I saw her, I was like, I think she's like going to the market. Like I feel like she's like getting ready to go buy food or something like that. So that's where the idea just kind of started. And we started running with it. Um, I was trying to create like an open air market type feel. And so, um, you know, we, uh, yeah, as you can see, like at the bottom of the, of the bowls there and stuff like that are filled with spices and various foods along the wall. There's some kind of vases that hold like, you know, fresh flowers and stuff like that. And the story with her is I kind of wanted to give this idea that uh, she woke up early and packed the kids into their, you know, little backpack there. And it's, you know, bright and early. And she wants to head out to the market early because it's still quiet and crisp air and everything's fresh. And then there's like this little wind chime. uh, And that's like the only sound that she hears because everything's still quiet at this point. So, um, yeah, it's actually one of my favorite pieces. Um, and I'd never seen this one until I, you showed me at your uh, Waiting Valhalla, uh-huh. which is, is this the third piece in that series or one of the, one of the three pieces in that series? Uh, yeah. If it's, if it's Valhalla. Yeah. Oh, yep. That's it. That's the last one of that series. Then. So um, I like this one cause it's kind of speaks to my nature and that I like taking things and making them unique or, or changing the idea with them. So the figure itself is just a bust. It's called Vivian and Vivian is very much the lady of the lake. So like she's, you know, eyes open, just kind of standing in front of you. The sword is not being held in kind of like that cross position. It's being held between her two hands, like out flat, like she's offering it to you. So she became my shield maiden for that, that series. And so I had to convert her by, you know, repositioning the arm so that the sword would be over like her chest and over her abdomen. I had to close her eyes 
So like I had to like literally sand off the eyelids and re-sculpt them. Let me just say that's nerve wracking. Uh, and then uh, designed the boat for her and everything like that. And then what I, a few things I really love about the piece um, is there's other items in the boat with her that kind of try to give you hints about her life. Like there's apples in there. So I'm, you know, my thought was is maybe it's kind of saying that apples were her favorite food or her favorite treat. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a little doll in there with her. Um, and you know, so is the doll hers? Is it like a childhood, you know, companion or is maybe the doll from her daughter or something like that? And she put it in there with her mom to go to Mahala. Um, and then there's actually like a, like a, on a personal level for me, there's a little scroll kind of tucked, um, underneath one of her arms that is actually part of a uh, funeral announcement for my grandfather because he passed away while I was doing this piece. Uh, and so I kind of put that in there to kind of give it that own little personal touch for me. Uh, next piece, it looks like another insert from your book. And okay. this is your, I don't know if you call it elf or dryad. Uh, and this is actually one of oh, my yeah. friends, uh, Erica's favorite piece that you've you've done. Uh, she really liked this one, and uh, I I like this one too because I, I like the red and the greens uh-huh. and stuff. And I thought this one I remember seeing this one because didn't you enter this one into Crystal Brush? I did, yeah, yeah. It made it to day two, but it didn't place at the end. But I mean, it made it to day two, which was a pretty huge feat considering, especially considering the other busts were in the category with it. Yeah. Um, but um, what I like about this one is. So for, for folks who don't recognize it in that, um, the model is actually, oh, what is her name? Budika from FER. Um, so it's actually this Scottish female warrior. And I totally just redid her to become a like autumn dryad. Yeah. <laughs> like I added the antlers, uh, the, uh, the skull, uh, the leaves there, that leaf cloak. She had like just a regular cloth cloak on her, so I had to make the leaf cloak, and I made them out of like taking uh, plastic card and hole punching leaves out of it, and then altering them. Um, the staff there is just made out of some wood I found. Um, the crystal kind of alpine bark. You might notice there's kind of like these little like feathery grass type tufts type things. Those are actually pine needles um, that I treated with glycerin. And then, uh, and I had actually collected them from a farm where my girls used to go do writing lessons. Um, so, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. But um, yeah, I mean, I just like this piece because it's so different from what the original was. Like I said, the original is just, it's a historical piece. And I, I totally took it and made it something different. Uh, I think the last two are the other two books that are going to be in this, the set of three. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. So this is this is Tommy's cover. Um, so Tommy Tommy Sewell is a miniature painter from the UK. Um, he he mainly does Games Workshop items and stuff like that, um, and some other uh, type of pieces. Tommy's book, um, just to try to give you like a little little insight to their books. So Tommy's book, talking with him, is going to probably be more technical focused than mm-hmm. say mine is. Um, like he's definitely going to be talking about like. Um, you know, certain painting, sorry, excuse me, certain painting techniques and stuff like that. Um, and then the next cover is for Sinai, who's, like I said, is a friend of mine. 
Uh, but Saya is going to be dealing a lot with like colors and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, you know, he'll have a selection of not only like army figures and armies and, and, uh, you know, game, uh, games workshop figures, but then also like other things like busts and, and more artistic pieces. Okay. I'll go back. That was the last of that. We'll go back to our, our pictures and such. Um, I noticed that, you know, a lot of your stuff is on plinths. Do you have favorite artists for plinths that you go to? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Joe, Joe Orthober. Uh -huh. Um, basically customizes all my plants for me <laughs> like I, I literally like send him specifications and i'm like i need i need a plant this tall this size uh this type of basing or whatever like that and he's like okay i'll have it to you in a week you know so yeah he, he does he does almost all my plants for me um yeah i know that you picked up uh, a few of jacob jansen's at a uh, warfare weekend last year yeah 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 and J yeah and jacob is basically I haven't ordered from Jacob directly, but Jacob produces incredible things. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's actually going to be doing a couple of um, uh, plints for a couple of trophies that we're making. Oh, um, nice. Like one of the, you know, some of the skulls that I'm, some of the trophies we're making for Warfare Weekend. Um, like I got a skull that's going to be in some fire and stuff that's going to be for a trophy. And then, of course, my uh, nearly life-size Infinity Gauntlet is going to have a plinth that it's going to sit on um, for the MCP tournament uh, type nice. thing. But, uh, yeah, because he's going to be there again this year, so I'm sure he's going to have plenty of plinths out that you could get from him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going to have plenty of stuff, that, and, and he's going to have a vendor booth, which I'm really happy about him being there. Yeah, no, he, he produces fantastic work. Yeah. Um, does anybody have any questions? Mizzy, you got any questions or anything? No. You're just enjoying just, the eye candy? Yeah. <laughs> but um, the thing for me is that I really like how you're incorporating certain aspects of things that I know about with my background in graphic design and going to art school and all that stuff and like how it transfers over into the miniature art as well, like the inks, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's really cool how you combine the different medias. Yeah, I, I mean, I try, I try. I mean, the ink thing, I will definitely say that that comes from Alfonso kind of teaching me things. But, like, even kind of just going to – so, like, composition um, is something that's a lot more dealt with in, like, photography and movies. Mm -hmm. But we can totally use that to our advantage, too. Um, you know, like, a, where you put something in certain pieces by placing it in a certain way will automatically garner more interest than, than others. Like for instance, if you look at the dungeon explorer piece, you'll notice that the minute, you know, with the minotaur being in the middle, that the other figures basically form a triangle around him, which encloses yes. him and makes him more prominent, makes him more of a center of attention. Um, and then, uh, if you, you create at, that focal point, yeah. Yeah, you create that focal point. Or if you look at like fate, um, fate involves the rule of thirds, so that each one of those like norns is placed on one of those like nexus points for mm -hmm. the grid in order to make it more prominent, make you pay more attention to them. Actually, I do have a question. Um, sure. So for like the the elements, like the like in the market, you you've got like all these different foods and stuff. What do you make out of, or how do you make that? Do you sculpt it or 
Is there a particular? Um... Uh, I do all different types of things. In fact, that's um, on the occasion when I teach like a class or whatever, that's one of the things we always talk about is to start looking at elements in the world that you can use in different ways. Um, kind of like, you know, like on the rats there, you use like a kid's cup to create one of the sewer pipes because it was just the right diameter. And it was a right. cylinder. That's all I really needed. So like with the foods there for the market, um, some of the things like the spices and stuff like that, the spices is basically artificial snow. That's just painted. Okay. You know, but it's, it's the same te- texture that I needed. Right. Um, the like little carrots, the little carrots I totally stole from a dollhouse. It's <laughs> 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 a dollhouse bit. That's all there is to it, you know. Um, some of the other like uh, like other fruits in that though, I just sculpted out of green stuff. Um, the flower type things that are on the wall are actually just dried flowers that I preserved in glycerin from like a whole local hobby store and then cut them and put them in there. Okay, nice. Okay, so when is the Kickstarter going to happen? And do you already have a pre-link? Uh, we do, yeah, yeah. So um, our Kickstarter launches on May 10th uh, and then runs through the end of the month. Um, and uh, if you like, so I get you know, you know, I can send you the the link for the Kickstarter, but we do have a sign up page right now. Um, that'll notify you on launch. The uh, cost of a book is uh, thirty dollars, and then but if you buy in, so you can you know buy one book or you buy two books at that cost. Um, but if you buy all three, it's eighty dollars, so it saves you a little bit of money. Um, but then we've also got a number of stretch goals set up for like you know special bookmarks and uh, additions to the books and stuff like that. Um, if, uh, if people haven't already seen like those you know, the pictures kind of give you an idea of the, of the, uh, of the quality of pages, but, like this is the miniature monthly one. But, like there are, you know, really good high quality books. Um, and then, yeah, I mean. Yeah, we launch on May 10th. and uh, 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 If you want, you can type the, uh, you can copy and paste the link into uh, the Twitch chat. Okay. Uh, in there. Type yeah, let me. If you have it. See. Or you can do it. Because uh, I'm going to ask you an, another question, and it's probably going to be a, like, get into the feels of it. How does it make you feel that you're getting your own book? Um, kind of weird. <laughs> really? I mean, I, like, uh, I, you know, like, um, let me send this real quick. Yeah, there we go. That should be up. Okay. Um, so first off, like Dave asked me in September, hey, he was like, hey, listen, have you heard about the art of series? I'm like, yeah, I got the mentor monthly one. And he's like, yeah, would you like to do one of them? And I'm kind of like, hey, like, and you're you- like, what? Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what does this entail and stuff like that? Um, but like ironically, a few months before that, I'd literally been talking with a whole bunch of art friends, and I was like, "Yeah, I'd like to do a book." I was like, "I really just kind of want to put pretty pictures in it, display my artwork, but I mean, it'd be so cool to like actually have a book, like it, you know, something that you, tangible that you can hold." Um, and then, yeah, a few months later, Dave asked me. Um, I'm like thrilled. I feel incredibly honored. Um, I do, you, feel do you get very, that imposter syndrome feeling when that happens? Okay. Yeah. Oh, every, I, yeah. Someone had asked me about that recently and like, it, it still happens all the time. Yeah. 
he, I mean, I think it's a normal, I, but the thing is, is like, even if you talk with like, you know, like the world renowned miniature artists and stuff like that, they tell you they have imposter syndrome too. Oh yeah. I, 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 I mean, I, I'm a nobody and someone comes up and tells me they listen to the podcast every Sunday or, you know, they listen to it on their drive. I still get that. I'm like, no, you know, you're fucking lying. And like, no, I really do. And you're like, and it still just flabbergasts me when people, you know, either a recognize my voice or recognize who I am. And I'm like, I, I'm nobody. And they're like, no, you do some really cool stuff for us. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like people, yeah. People like come up to you and they'll tell, Oh, I love this piece you did. And they're like, I'm, I'm honored and I'm thrilled that you do, but I, I don't know how to respond. <laughs> Like, I'm glad you like it. I mean, that's great. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, yeah, honored, a little apprehensive. I mean, like, I I want to make sure that people who buy the book get what they want out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my hope would be that they learn a little bit about me. They learn some knowledge that they can apply to telling their own stories in art and that they can use to help build dioramas. Um, and the, but then the most important thing is I hope they read it and look at it and they feel inspired to create something on their own, to create their own piece. That, that would be my ultimate goal. We're at the part of uh, the podcast where we talk about our media and um, section. And pretty much what oh. it is, is we have a rating system. Uh, we actually have two rating systems. Um, is the movie closer to Casablanca, which we consider, you know, almost the perfect movie or cats, the movie being the worst movie ever made. Um, and we also have another rating system where we talk about, did you ever see the movie ice pirates? It's an old 80s movie. Time pirates or something like that. Time bandits. Time bandits. But no, there's, there's a movie called ice pirates and there's a creature in it called a space herpy. Okay. And so we rate our shows or what we see on how many space harpies. The more space harpies, the worse it is. We go one to okay. five or zero to five, you know, zero being, you know, near perfect. And then five oh. being, you know, cats. So cats okay. would be five har- space harpies and zero space harpies would be Casablanca. So okay. I'm, I'm going to talk about one thing that we can kind of get an idea because there is one thing that we both want to talk about um, type thing. And so I was watching a bunch of movies this week and I watched a, uh, anime on Netflix called bubble bubbles an anime Netflix project, which means, you know, they're cutting all that stuff. They're probably going to start pushing a lot of stuff out and, uh, not even really a spoiler. It is a new telling on, um, Hey, just another guy named Harry. Thanks for the follow. Um, the little mermaid. It's a retelling of the little mermaid. Um, and so it's different. It's interesting. It's based in Tokyo. Animation is very good. Uh, they didn't do the, uh, which is now the prevalent one of using a lot of CGI animation. Uh, this looks like old, 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 you know, old school drawn type stuff, um, whether it was done on computer or not, but it's not CGI, you know, formatic robot moving type thing. It was done really good. Um, Music was really good on it. Uh, very solid. Won't spoil it, but it is based off of... It is like an, a new retelling of The Little Mermaid. Um, no nudity, no nothing like that. Very uh, very easygoing, so you know anybody could watch it. I really enjoyed it. I liked the music. 
Uh, I like the action. A little bit of slow part here and there. Um, but, of course, it does have that anime feel. And so, you know, things are flying crazy. And, you know, people are doing stunts that, you know, should not have been doing stunts. And it's based on parkour. Um, so there's, you know, some outrageous parkour movements. But overall, it was a really good show. It's only about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Um, yeah. And I enjoyed it a lot. It was a really neat take on The Little Mermaid. Um, I would give it probably like one space herpy because it, it wasn't perfect, but it, it couldn't push that boundary. But it was worth a watch, especially if you like, you know, anime movies. You don't have to invest like a whole, you know, weekend trying to catch up on it because it's just a movie, not a series. Well, so, all right, Chris, what do you got? So I got three then. All right. Okay. Give me one. So I in I cannot believe it. I'm totally blanking on the name of the series right now. What's the Netflix series based off of Riot Games? Uh, Arcane? Arcane. Okay. Arcane. I know it's been out for a while. <laughs> I like it so much that I literally keep rewatching it for inspiration. Like, <laughs> I really like the artwork so, in that. Yeah. The artwork is amazing. The storytelling is amazing. The characters are fantastic. That thing is an amazing, amazing show. It, that one definitely gets zero space herpes. Because <laughs> um, I think it's pretty much perfect for what it is. Uh, um, I hope it continues, though. It yeah, did it did get renewed, yeah. but Amazon just cut almost all of their you know, anime studio and anime works. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, maybe if Netflix cut it, then maybe Amazon will pick it up. Because Amazon also picked up... Uh, they did. Amazon did an okay job with uh, uh, whatever that is, um, Legend of Vox Machina. Like that mm-hmm. wasn't bad. So, yeah, they, um, I have a feeling they're probably going to keep that one around because that made them a ton of money. Oh, the, I'm I'm pretty sure it's already renewed for a second one. Yeah, it is already renewed. But some shows that got renewed are being canceled during the underneath the anime the animation umbrella uh, right now. Netflix yeah. is cutting a lot of projects. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, they, they just lost a huge amount of subscribers, right? And oh, they yeah. just took that big bet. Yeah. Um, so, th- so that would be one. Uh, next one is going to be Moon Knight. Um, the most recent episode was amazingly done. <laughs> um, that show is so good. I love the. I'm not really terribly familiar with the character, but the mm-hmm. way they're telling the uh, the origin story and what's his name. Uh, Oscar Isaac, mm-hmm. the actor there, is really, really good at it. This um, episode, I, I, I watched this with you too, and I says, this episode, I, I have to tell everybody, there is a trigger warning in this one. Um, that's totally fair. It, yeah. it is it is brutal. It, it is one of those episodes you watch, and you're like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then you like, you can just feel slowly your guts being twisted. Yeah. Um, there is a, a, abuse in this episode. And yeah. uh, I actually had to stop it and take a breather because I it hit it hit home pretty hard, uh, and I was like, "Ooh, pause for a second. And, and and you know which scene I'm talking about, and I'm yeah, oh, won't yeah, spoil yeah. it because it's it, it's it's still fresh. But I I watched that and I saw that scene and I went, "Fuck!" And I paused it and I said, "Man!" And I I had to sit for a minute and I was like, "This just I mean it not only hit home, I mean." He's an amazing actor in this. I mean, his ability, you know, to do the splits and everything and just what's going on and everything that's happening. 
And when you find out the story, and I put that in quotes of why he is and who he is and what's going on, you're just like, it's it's a huge gut punch. And yeah, you're just like, shit. And, and that's what I, I really like about movies and art and miniature art and all that. I like those emotional connections, mm-hmm. whether they're good or bad. And like, so this one just like, I was like, that was... It was not fun, but it was incredibly well done. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would give that show maybe one space RP just because I think it started kind of like the first episode's kind of slow. Yeah. Yeah. But, I'm waiting to see the entire thing before I give it my final rating. Anything like this. Mizzy, what you got for us this week? Oh, I got um, one more. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll come back. We'll come back. We'll give Mizzy yeah. a chance. No, it's fine. Yeah. Go. <laughs> Are you going to skip Mizzy? All right, go ahead, Chris. What, what's your third one? Oh, no, I just I just want to bring this one up, too, because I think it's kind of just out there. There is a show on Netflix called Under the Banner of God or something like Under that. Under the Banner of Heaven is on Hulu. Yeah. I'm watching that, too. I watched it this week. I watched episode one. Right. Okay, so you, I've seen episode one and two. There's two. just another show that is very well done and – the emotional feels it gives you is quite good, but it's creepy. Oh yeah. So I, I actually looked this up because it's, it's, it's based off of a true story of a murder that happened in a Mormon town. Um, uh, very much in the Mormon faith and everything. And it's about a mother and her child. They get brutally murdered and the Mormon church and this family of Mormons. Um, I, I, I purposely didn't read the wiki on it. I'm waiting until the series is over so I can read, you know, the real truth behind it to see how much was Hollywoodized and then how much, you know, is, you know, true. Because I want I, I like doing that after I see it. And because um, it's going to be a limited series, it's just going to deal with what's the story. Yeah. But uh, right. it's based off of the book that was written about the true crime. And yeah, you're right. This thing is creepy as fuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's and it's psychological creepy, right? It's yeah. not. I mean, obviously, it, like you said, it's based off a true, true story and everything. So it's not like it's full of like, you know, demons and monsters and ghosts or yeah. those type of things. And like, you know, like hill houses or something like that. But yet, it is just creepy and it, it's so good at just making you feel unease. It's yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I liked it too. I mean, it's 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 very solid. Um, I like, I like the way it's filled. I, I don't know what time it's supposed to be in. I don't know. Um, oh, uh, time wise, it's got, surely it's gotta be like late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. Think. It's gotta be like that. I, I couldn't remember what it is. Suppose it's only seven episodes. Uh, but the reason I saw it is I, I, I'm a big Andrew Garfield fan and I saw uh-huh. he was doing this and I was like, Ooh, I gotta check this out and see what it is. And I saw it on there and I was like, Oh, it's finally up. Let's watch it. And I started watching it and I was like, Oh, this is good, but this is so wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's basically it. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna give any any rating on that until it's done either. But I'm enjoying what I'm watching so far. Yeah. Mizzy, did you want to go? Did you figure out something now? I have two things, and I've had two things, but okay. I was being polite because oh, you know whatever. Is, go yeah. ahead. What's your? First I'm not one? a total heathen here. Um. <laughs> I spent all day Saturday watching One Piece. 
uh, and I finished up to season the end of season one. I'm just about to start uh, the second season. So that I have watched 64 episodes <laughs> out of, you know, however many. <laughs> but I really enjoy it. Um, even though I, I was telling somebody today that it's hard to get through probably the first half. But once you get through that first half, it gets a lot better, in my opinion. So, but... I'm enjoying it. It's a nice, just chill, relax. I don't have to be emotionally involved, and I don't have to think about things. I can just enjoy it for what it is. Which is what I need. So, um, I am going to give it two, because there are some parts that I'm like, oh my god, can we move on? <laughs> um, but yeah. And then... My other one is Picard. Yep, which we did finish the season finale. Yes. Um, I'm kind of disappointed in this season of Picard. Season it's one meh. was amazing. Season two gives me that. I, I give it a 2.5 meh rating. It has yeah. some cool moments, but it really is just kind of meh type thing. Yeah. And once it got into the direction that it went, there's only so many ways that it could have ended. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's based on time yeah. travel. And so is time travel back in like 2024, I think is what it is. So yep. it's like really current time. But it's like, really, I'm like, I don't want to see a Star Trek series based in our universe and our time. <laughs> I, I, I watch Star Trek for the phasers and the spaceships and the aliens and... You know. I don't need something close to reality. I live it every day, and I'm tired of it. Yeah. So I, I pretty much was like, mm, it's a meh on that one. Um, I know that they did finish season three already, which is the final season, and uh, they're wrapping up on that and getting that to go through, and so we'll get that. Probably won't get it until next year, I believe. Type thing. Um, I actually have... 400 billion. One more to go uh, out of all of this. I watched uh, the movie The Man Who Fell to Earth, which is a continuation of the old David Bowie movie. Uh, and I believe this is on like Showtime, I think. And what it is is about an alien that lands on Earth but needs to seek out a certain individual to help solve, uh, help save their race on another planet. Um. And so this alien lands, uh, special effects are really good. No issues there because they show like a transformation from the alien species to a human species. And um, so this alien lands on Earth and is looking for this one individual, uh, gets caught by the police type thing, and is learning how to be a human and talk like a human. And uh, I will never forget it that this person's learning language skills from a cop and all these cops are in the police station yelling you know and the lady's like if you want something done you want it done quickly you 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 say fuck and yell it really loud of what you want so this alien's walking around just constantly fuck will you get me some water and just you know <laughs> going crazy and thinks that it's the polite way to talk to people <laughs> type thing um and it's and it's done really well um the character is very likable 
the characters are very have great personality, um, and it's in a continuation of the David Bowie movie uh, because uh, Bill Nye plays David Bowie's character in this, um, and N I G H Y. Uh, he's been in a lot of things, but I mean he's playing David Bowie's character from the original movie, and I'm digging it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, it's got some great humor to it because an alien trying to learn human ways, you know, it's kind of, you know, the, 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 what they did just makes it even more hilarious the way they act. Um, I'm interested to see where it goes because it's actually, the story is told where the alien is actually integrated into human society and it's kind of like, and I want to say this that way, but he's putting on a presentation like a Ted's talk about a new product he's bringing out that's going to change and revolutionize the world. Sort of like a, a you know, a, an Apple presentation or whatever, you know, type thing. And I'm, I'm interested to see where all this goes. Um, but it's been good. Um, very interesting. Uh, Acting is really well. Characters have great personality. Uh, no rating, but I'm going to continue to watch it. Uh, type thing. Uh, does anybody have anything else? Any books they read? Any movies? TV shows? I, I started the second Dragonlance book. So yeah, I started listening to the second Dragonlance book now. Yes. Yeah, I I am so almost I'm, through I'm with of... listening to the second Dragonlance book, and I can't wait for you to get to certain parts because I remember them and I remember listening to them. And now you're Mizzy's never read any of the Dragonlance stuff and doesn't oh, really? know it. Yeah, so this is her first go through. So she's listening to the first three chronicles. That's because Mizzy has to catch up on being a nerd. <laughs> Type thing. So, other than that, um, if nobody has anything, we can probably see who who are we going to send you off to tonight. V uh, is playing Undertale. V is playing Undertale. Let me yeah. check. See if there's one. Uh, Keyline Prime is uh, streaming as well. Yeah, Holly Monster, Monster Dan, Phoenix. Let's go ahead and. Uh... Holly Monster gave me a bunch of uh, stickers at Adepticon. Yeah, let's go ahead and go to Holly Monster. We'll give her a good, uh, good raid, guys. We Ooh. appreciate everybody being here. We appreciate you coming in and listening, Chris. As always, man, I appreciate you being on here. I can't wait to see your book. Uh, Thanks. Can't wait to see you at conventions. Hopefully, I get to see you again soon. Um, with things starting to come up again and start seeing your projects. Um, type thing. So, yeah, that'd be great to see you too, guys. <laughs> guys, please take care of yourself. Please watch after each other. If you see something going on, say something. For more than dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm Mizzy. I'm Chris. Good night. And music. Let's get that raid going. Dance party. Make sure you hit that button and hit it at raid coming up in seven, six, five, four, three, two, one.